I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Genesis chapters 22, 23, and 24. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham, here is your big test, beginning with verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham arose early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now the King James Version says in verse 1, God did tempt Abraham. The Hebrew word there is nasal, which means to test or prove. The New King James Version says here, God tested Abraham. Well, here's the test. God talks to Abraham in verse 2, and it says, Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, 
and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What a horrifying thought. We're told in verse 1 that this is a test. It may seem strange that Abraham seems to take it all in stride. Actually, at closer analysis, it's not really strange at all. Abraham had already had several conversations with God previous to this occasion. Now, let's take a look at those other conversations that God had with Abraham. A call to leave his homeland in Genesis chapter 12. A promise that his descendants would prosper in Genesis 13. And then a visit from God incarnate in the form of Melchizedek in Genesis 14. Another promise to prosper his descendants in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham has promised that he'll be the father of many nations in Genesis chapter 17. He talks with the Lord again in Genesis chapter 18 about Isaac's birth and the issue of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then finally, in Genesis chapter 21, God promises that Abraham's seed will prosper through Isaac, which, of course, was previous to this occasion. Number seven in this list is really the crucial one, the one that I just mentioned. At the time of the incident, Isaac wasn't married yet, and likewise, he was childless. So here's the point. Abraham had several conversations with God, and it was said of Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Well, Abraham knew that everything he had was as a result of God's blessings. But here's the deal clincher. God had indeed promised that Abraham's seed would prosper and result in many nations through Isaac. Therefore, Abraham's history with God was such that, well, he was positive that whatever happened on Mount Moriah his yet childless son Isaac would somehow survive to bear children. God had promised so. So what did he expect would happen on that mountain? Well, here's what uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19 says regarding Abraham's expectations. I quote from Hebrews 11:17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So here's what Abraham did know. He knew that God's no liar. Isaac would somehow come down off that mountain to bear the offspring that God had definitely promised in Genesis chapter 21, verse 12. You'll notice from verse 4 that they rode into the wilderness a considerable distance, three days' journey. That's a lot of time to think about what you've been commanded to do by God. Well, indeed, just as Abraham is about to slay his son, God stops him and supplies a ram in the thicket for the sacrifice. A very relieved Abraham gives this spot on Mount Moriah a nickname. The King James transliterates it, Jehovah Jireh. That means... As the New King James puts it, the Lord will see to it, or as the New King James says, the Lord will provide. You must really admire Isaac's faith here. God had talked to Abraham, not Isaac. I can imagine Isaac asking Abraham, Now, go over this whole thing again, Dad. Nevertheless, he was obedient, as we see in verse 9, in allowing himself to be bound for sacrifice by his father. In verses 15 through 19, we see the reiteration of the seed promises once again from God to Abraham. Incidentally, the Muslim Quran incorrectly states that this incident happened with Ishmael, not Isaac. 
And if you want to read more about that, you can click on the link on the written notes of BibleTalk.org for today and get more details there. Well, the conclusion of this test of Abraham's commitment to God, this promise is reinforced to Abraham by God. And here's that reinforcement in verses 17 and 18. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies, and your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Now, there are two different aspects to God's promise to Abraham. There's the physical and the spiritual element here. Physically, Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. However, Paul makes the point that God's promise to Abraham also prophesied the spiritual seed of Abraham through salvation in Jesus Christ. He makes that point over in Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 to 29. Actually, there were a number of provisions that were promised to Abraham up to this point. If you'd like to um, look over all those provisions, then click right here on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for a link to the Abrahamic Covenant article, or you can find that under the topic section of BibleTrack.org. Then we get our first mention of Rebekah, beginning with verse 20 of Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazo, Peldosh, Jedloth and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah, these eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Reuma, also bore Teba, Gaham, Thahash, and Maacah. Abraham gets some slow breaking news from back home. That's in Haran up in Mesopotamia. The news is about some births. The significance of this list, well, the significance is that Isaac's future wife, Rebecca, Abraham's brother's granddaughter, she's in that list. We can't have the father of many nations marrying one of those locals now, can we? In Genesis chapter 23, Abraham buys a big old cemetery plot for Sarah. Verse 1, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron in the land of Canaan, and Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places." None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. 
Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamer, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth, before all who went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah, before Mamer, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. So while living in Hebron, Sarah dies at the ripe old age of 127. Abraham goes to the Hittites to buy a piece of land in which to bury Sarah. The generous Hittite, also known as the sons of Heth, he, he wants to give the piece of land, but Abraham insists that he must purchase it for the full price. The field, and particularly the cave at the end of the field, became an important burial site for the patriarchs and their wives. According to Genesis chapter 49, this is not only where Sarah and Abraham were buried, but also Isaac, Rebekah, Leah, and Jacob. You may find it interesting that the Hittites are specifically named as people that must leave after the exodus from Egypt in Exodus chapter 33, 34, and Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 20, Joshua 1, Joshua 3. No, I don't have a point. I just thought it was interesting there. These Hittites were descendants of Canaan, According to Genesis 10, that was Noah's grandson through his son Ham. Incidentally, Hebron is approximately 18 miles southwest of Jerusalem. It's today one of the most ancient cities in the world. One more interesting tidbit about Hebron is worth mentioning. David began his tenure as king there in 2 Samuel chapter 2. That's where he remained for the first seven and a half years of his reign. In chapter 24, long chapter, who wants to marry a millionaire, maybe even a billionaire? Verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and ye shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. 
And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he'd finished speaking that, Behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel, and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels of gold. Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. We have both straw and feet enough, and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah, saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood with the camels at the well. Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. I will not eat until I have told you about my errand. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath." And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, 
Behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water, and I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. And I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, then I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go. And let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten, after that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her, so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Well, Isaac here is nearing forty, and his mother has already passed away. Abraham perceives that Isaac needs some comfort in verse 67. How about a wife? But not one of these local Canaanite women... He needs a wife from back home, from among the kinfolk. Abraham is very adamant about that issue in verse 3, when he instructs his servant and says, You will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Now that's likely due to Abraham's recall of the Canaan curse of Genesis chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. There it says, Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, which was Abraham's ancestor, 
and may Canaan be his servant. Later on, under Moses' leadership, God commanded the Israelites not to marry or even enter into covenants with these Canaanites. He did so in Deuteronomy chapter 7. So when God made a seed covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, with a further expansion of that covenant in Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 17, well, it's apparent that Abraham understood the stipulations to be that he not mingle his seed with that of the local Canaanites. Therefore, only a wife for Isaac from Haran will do. Abraham gets the servant to take an oath regarding the choosing of a wife for his son. This mysterious hand under the thigh oath is only seen here in verse 9 and again in Genesis chapter 47, verse 29. Well, okay, but why can't Isaac go and pick out his own wife? I mean, what if Abraham's servant comes back with, um, well, you know, kind of a homely woman? Well, I'm guessing Isaac gave him some pretty detailed instructions before the servant left. I would have, wouldn't you? The servant even suggests that maybe Isaac should go along, but Abraham is very adamant that Isaac must stay where God has promised the land, and that's Canaan, to his offspring. It would appear that Abraham's fear was that his relatives would prevail upon Isaac to stay up there with them and not return to the land. So the servant takes off on the 450-mile trip back up to Abraham's relatives in Haran, Mesopotamia, there to find Isaac a wife from among Abraham's relatives. While calling upon God for assistance, the servant devises a find-a-pretty-woman strategy. That's in verses 12 through 14. And immediately, well, things fall into place. Miraculously, Rebecca shows up at the well and seems to be immediately impressed with the camelcade that she sees. That's like a motorcade, but stinkier. What a find! The first female to show up at the well just happens to be Isaac's second cousin, Abraham's grandniece. But there is that test the servant had devised in verses 12 through 14. The test stipulated that not only must she offer the servant water, but also offer to water the servant's camels, ten camels. Hey, that's a lot of work to do for a stranger. What are the chances Rebecca's going to offer to do that? But just as the servant had asked God for this sign, she does exactly that. Bingo! We have a winner. The servant awards Rebecca with some fine jewelry. Then he and his entourage go to meet the family. Everyone back there is impressed with everyone. The servant's very careful to point out how rich Isaac is. He wants to head on back down to Canaan, but Rebecca's folks think she needs some time, say 10 days or so, to adjust to the idea of leaving home. However, when asked, Rebecca says, let's just go now. It's apparent that the servant must have explained the whole big picture plan to them because of what we see in verse 60, where there it says, And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Well, they obviously understood the foundational principles of the promises that God had made to Abraham. Now, Keep in mind how long this transaction took to unfold. With an entourage on camels, it must have taken at least 20 days each way to make the trip. That's a long time to anticipate for Isaac. And for Rebecca, the servant didn't even bring any family pictures. I can imagine Rebecca talking with her servants on the way to Canaan saying, I know he's rich. I just hope he's not ugly. When they arrive, Isaac is out in the field meditating when Rebecca spots him. 
After an identity confirmation, she enthusiastically goes to meet her new groom. I'm relatively certain the servant was very relieved at this point. We see in Genesis 25 verse 20 that Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. Incidentally, you'll notice that the negotiations seem to take place between Laban, that's Rebekah's brother, and Abraham's servant. Rebekah's mother, she has some input also. Apparently Laban's father, Bethuel, was into his years and left it up to Laban. Later on, when Rebekah's son Jacob shows up to take his wife in Genesis chapter 29, Rachel just happens to be one of Laban's daughters. Laban displays a very materialistic side, even a dishonest side. One might even call him greedy or maybe even a shyster. Come to think of it, you'll notice in verse 30 that Laban seems particularly impressed with the gifts that Abraham's servant had already showered upon Rebekah. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.